Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. As we kick off a new month, we have a lot to celebrate and reflect on. February marks Black History Month, a time to honor and recognize the contributions and achievements of Black Canadians. It's also the month of love with Valentine's Day just around the corner. And for many in Canada, it's Family Day, a time to spend with loved ones. Lastly, February is also Heart Month, a time to raise awareness about heart health and encourage people to take care of their heart. Needless to say, we'll be taking all of these matters to heart this month. Here's what's coming up on today's show. If you have a variable mortgage rate on your home, you are no doubt feeling the pinch this month after yet another interest rate hike by the Bank of Canada. Rochelle Morgan understands the unique challenges women face on their journey to becoming homeowners and in this case, staying homeowners. She joins me to discuss some ways to navigate this stressful time and remain in your home. Shelley Jarrett co-produced and co-wrote the new documentary, What We Deserve, which takes a look at how over 10 million Africans were stolen from their homes and forcefully transported to the Caribbean as the enslaved chattel and property of Europeans. Shelley decided to take a deep dive on this subject after Queen Elizabeth's death and found herself surprised by some of the things she learned. Anne Brody is in with entertainment, including places to find great content during Black History Month, the Girl Gang Movie of the Year, 80 for Brady, starring Jane Fonda, Sally Field, Lily Tomlin, and Rita Moreno, plus the super creepy Knock at the Cabin Door with Dave Bautista, and finally Alice Darling, starring Anna Kendrick, in a role that will hit a little too close for many women. Dry January may be over, but momentum is pushing many to stick with it for dry February especially in light of new alcohol consumption guidelines from Health Canada. Anika Sani has helped create a solution for those looking to stay sober curious by co-founding Groovy, a Canadian line of alcohol-free beers and wines that provide a healthy and enjoyable alternative for people looking to stay sober. Anika joins me to share the story behind the brand and with some tips for those starting their own sober journey. Canadians have always been quite proud of our universal public health care system. We are leaders on the global stage, and healthcare to this point does not bankrupt people, but there are cracks appearing, and provincial governments across the country are pushing us closer and closer to privatization. Ontario, in particular, is on high alert after the Ford government recently announced funding for private for profit clinics or hospitals in Ontario. Shelley Roebuck from the Ontario Health Coalition joins me to discuss how they are pushing back and how we can all get involved. Finally, it's Heart Month, and women in particular are at a higher risk for heart failure and heart attack death than men. Thankfully, Dr. Claudia Macchiella from The Wellness Prescription is here today to share some of her best tips for keeping your heart in tip-top shape. It's another full week at What She Said, with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. Over the last
last 10 months, the Bank of Canada overnight lending rate has increased from 0.25% to 4.5%. The effect on mortgage rates has been profound, with some seeing their variable mortgage rate rise well over $1,000 a month and has put many Canadians at risk of defaulting on their mortgage. My next guest has purchased two homes, negotiated various types of mortgages, and works as a woman in the mortgage industry with Kingston Mortgage Solutions. Rochelle Morgan understands the unique challenges women face on their journey to becoming homeowners and in this case staying homeowners. She joins me now to discuss some ways to navigate this stressful time and remain in your home. Welcome to the show Rochelle. Welcome Candace. thank you. So I imagine you are currently receiving a lot of panicked phone calls would that be right? Yes there are a lot of people who have called with concerns as rates have increased like you said over the last little while people concerned about affordability, about how much interest they're paying now, as opposed to principal, lots of questions. Okay, so before we jump into some tips and advice, I do want to point out, because something interesting you said to me was that 61% of home buyers are women. That's incredible to me. I had no idea it was that high. Yeah, so that was a study done by the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation in 2019. And that's not first-time home buyers. That's all home buyers in general. It could be joint with a partner. And it's definitely proving that that home ownership is is not only for men anymore. Okay, so let's go back to these interest rates because I know people are are currently freaking out and, and thinking about what's what lies ahead. So Bank of Canada has indicated they are not going to raise rates any further. Correct? Uh, yes. They have indicated that there's going to be a pause on any more rate increases as they want to analyze the past 10 months of increases and see the impacts. But however, nobody has a crystal ball. It's all speculation at this point. The next rate announcement is going to be on March 8th. So we'll see what happens then. But as of right now, it's looking like there will be a pause. However, it doesn't look like there will be a decrease in rates likely until the end of 2023. For those who are now, you know, in this situation where, you know, their payments have risen again and they're feeling a little stressed, would now be the time to move to a fixed rate or is it better to stay in variable at this point? So everything really depends on your unique situation, whether you're conscious about your payment, whether you're conscious about how much interest versus principal you're paying, uh, whether you have other debts to consolidate, you're going through a divorce. There's lots of different uh, life changes that can be taken into account for your unique situation. However, there are options. You can stay the course. If you're comfortable, keep at this rate and hope that they go down again because you did have that benefit of that really low rate for a little while there. But you could also speak with your current lender and lock in a fixed rate that they offer. Or if you have any refinancing, debt consolidation, anything like that, we can also renegotiate and look at a different lender to get at a fixed rate. Um, While variable rates have been on the rise over the last little while, the trend of fixed rates, which are not directly impacted by the Bank of Canada, have been on a downward trend in the in the last few months. So there is some differences. It all just depends on, on what your short-term and long-term financial goals are. Do you have any advice for people, though, who are now looking and saying, okay, I, I've maxed out. Uh, I really need to think about what I'm going to do here. Are there options to you know, consolidate debt and stay in the home or, you know, uh, miss a payment and stay in the home to catch up a little bit? Are there some some things there they can do? Yeah, certain lenders do have different options where you can skip a payment, 
There are also prepayment privileges if you have a lump sum of money you want to put down to help go towards your, your principal. Um, like hypothetically, for example, right now if you had a $500,000 mortgage, um, you're paying uh, about two, on average, about $235 more a month than you would if you had that same mortgage with a fixed rate right now. So while it's not significantly different, if you did want to switch to a fixed rate, you would decrease your payment a little bit, but then you have to take into consideration that you have that payment potentially for the next five years because you would be renegotiating back into a five-year term. Uh, but there are options down the line if, we, if you get set up with a good lender that has low payout penalties that you can renegotiate when fixed rates fall further as well, if they fall. Now, I can't help but think about, you know, a year ago when people were overpaying for a home, you know, there were people that were getting in bidding wars, there were these huge sums of money paid. And some of these people have now got into homes and they're obviously their mortgage rate is rising. Is the best advice to stay in the home and, and hope that that house will come back up again to what you purchased it for? Or, you know, what are some thoughts there? Yeah, so every situation I said is is unique, and I would never want any of my clients to be in a position where they feel house poor or they're feeling stretched by their payments. Uh, but the good news is that historically, houses raise on average about 3% every year in, in prices. So it's likely that you will get some of that equity back. Uh, last February was the peak of home prices, and they've gone down since then. Um, but yeah, it depends on your, your individual situation. So now obviously the housing prices are coming down, the interest rates are rising, but for those looking in to, to get into the market, should they wait or is now the right time to get into a house? So because the housing prices have gone down, but rates have gone up, affordability is about approximately the same. However, with the lower house price, it means you also have a lower down payment. You could maybe get into that house that's uh, a little bit more what you were hoping for, um, and you're going to be building equity in that home. So it's, it's still a good idea to get into the market because it's more likely that your rate will change than the house price will change. So if you get in and, and like I said, get a, a house with a mortgage with $500,000, and you're at 5% rate right now, even if that's the top, and like I said, I would never want to get anybody in a, in a house poor situation, but if interest rates go back down to 2 to 3%, then you're still only paying that $500,000 instead of $700,000, and now you're paying it with a lower rate. So some people in the industry have a little quote about marry the house, date the rate. Um, so... If you find a house that you like, rates are more likely to change than house prices. Okay, so I guess my final question then is, how can people work with you? What do you offer people right now then in terms of navigating their way through this? Yeah, so I my goal in the mortgage industry is to make people feel comfortable, confident, and empowered with this really large financial situation. So it's always a great idea to keep to talk to a trusted mortgage professional early and often as your life changes, whether you're having kids, moving for a new job, getting a divorce, there's lots of different avenues and reasons why you should should talk to somebody, but just reach out, have a conversation, discuss your individual needs, and we can see what we can do going forward to help you feel comfortable in your home. But how would it be different working with you than, say, as opposed to a bank? 
So I have access to multiple lenders and multiple products that will be unique to an individual situation where banks generally only have one product. So if you don't fit in that box, they can't help you. However, I have access to uh, different products. Like if you know you're gonna be moving in a few years, I would make sure that your mortgage has low payout penalties or is portable, something like that. Or if you have low credit, I have options of lenders who will, will still consider you when banks necessarily won't. So I'm not saying that banks are bad, but it's just generally, if you don't necessarily fit in that box where you have steady job, good down payment, uh, then then sometimes speaking with a mortgage agent is a little bit, just gives you the bigger picture and gives you more options. Yeah, and I think now a lot of people are probably looking at their mortgage contracts with the fine tooth comb and reading the fine print, which most of us skip over. I know we do, especially on those big purchases. And they may be finding things like you rec you said to me at previous conversation that some people are getting dinged with, you know, $20,000 to leave their mortgage, which means it may be better for you to just stay where you are. Yes. So that's a good example of why mortgages are more than just about the rate. So that individual that I was saying had been locked in by another broker agent with a low rate basic mortgage. So she may have had a rate that is slightly lower than other products available, but those come with costs. And one of those costs, for example, is now that she wants to switch to a different lender, it's going to cost $20,000 to get out. So that's why it's a good idea and look at the bigger picture, find the product that's right for you and your family and consider your long-term and short-term housing goals rather than just the here and now. All right, cooler heads prevail. Rochelle, thank you so much for joining me today. I want people to be able to find you, ask you questions. Where can they do that? Yeah, so my website is rochellemorgan.ca. I'm on all this, the social media networks, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter at Rochelle J. Morgan. Okay, wonderful. We're going to put all of that in the liner notes of the podcast when it goes out. And thank you. For, thank you again for joining me. Thank you so much, Candice. It's been wonderful. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Southern trees bear strange fruit. What We Deserve is a new documentary that details how over 10 million Africans were stolen from their homes and forcefully transported to the Caribbean as the enslaved chattel and property of Europeans. The transatlantic slave trade is the largest forced migration in human history and has no parallel in terms of man's inhumanity to man. Shelley Jarrett co-produced and co-wrote What We Deserve with Andrew Terry Pasika. What We Deserve follows Jarrett's award-winning documentary, What About Us? The film earned the Canadian Jury Award at the Toronto International Nollywood Film Festival. Shelley joins me now to discuss. Welcome to What She Said, Shelley. Thank you so much for having me, Candice. So we we really don't know each other very well, but I have to tell you, I really adore you because you speak my love language, which is <laughs> women empowerment. So why is it so important to you that women use their voices to speak up about social justice issues? 
Right. Yes, I think it's important for women to speak up because we all have a story. Like, for example, this is a story of my ancestors, what happened many, many 400 years ago. So I think it's empowering to let others know about your history and so that we can all share together, we can all be educated together and be empowered together with these stories. So was there a moment then for you that compelled you to want to make this documentary? This just happened. It was not in my planning calendar at all. I was there minding my, my business, what I do, I coach women. And while I was coaching one of my clients and all of a sudden, all over the news, the queen has died. And so, you know, everybody was very emotional and, and stuff. So there were two stories. There were most people across the world and everybody was emotional. Then another side of some news, there were people that were angry and couldn't care less that the queen had passed. And I wanted to dig a little deeper to know why people, some people were upset. And these were primarily people from the African diaspora and those continents. And they said, well, there were so much atrocities and stuff done to enslave African people. So that is how I went on a research. And that's how I came up with the documentary because I, I sort of wanted to know a lot more. And because I myself did not know so much about Black history. And when I dived into it, I got more involved and it led me to uh, this Debrin. He is featuring in the movie and he was very passionate about reparations and apologies from the British government. And knowing that King Charles is going to be a new king, of course, and the carnation is coming up in May, I think it was a perfect timing for to start the conversations here and bring this information to Canadians because I have not seen it in any Canadian news media. I can only imagine that as you were filming and, you know, pulling this together, you learned a lot. What surprised you the most? Um, what surprised me the most is what had happened, of course. Like I said, I was not aware of this. And and really, the, the movement that's happening in the Caribbean, like I said, there's not much I see here in Canada. But in the Caribbean, say, for example, Antigua, where Mr. Debrin is from, and he's, he's the CARICOM uh, chairperson, and he's the one that there's a commission there that they talk about the 10-point plan, and there's a lot of activities there, a lot of meetings and discussions about it. Like you, you can see, Barbados became republic in 2021. I think Jamaica is in the process of wanting to become republic as well. And some of the islands in the Caribbean, Trinidad, like I said, Antigua, Barbuda. And yeah, there's a big movement and a lot of conversation because they're hoping that they can take this 10-point plan to the, to, the, to the Hague, right? Because somebody has to be responsible for these atrocities because it was never dealt with before. And once there is an apology, there have to be some kind of reparation. And this is what the movement is all about right now. And so I got very interested in the movement that was happening in the Caribbean. Okay, well, I want people to be able to obviously see this documentary and uh, and keep up with you and what you're doing. So <laughs> where can they catch the documentary and where can they keep up with you? Okay, I'm on all social media platforms. I can be found on Link LinkedIn, of course. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. And also people can go to the website, which is www.shellandhouseoffilms.com. And all the information about the release is, is on the website. And the premiere will 
February 18th in person at the Burlington Public Library in Ontario, Toronto, you know, across the GTA. And also it would be released online through Eventive. So all the information would be on the website. All right, incredible. We're going to put all of those links in the liner notes when this goes out on podcast. Shelly, I can't thank you enough for joining me. I can't wait to see your documentary. Thank you so much for having me. It's time for Saturday Night at the Movies with Ann Brody, and it is Black History Month, so of course we have some recommendations for you. Uh, where do you recommend people go, Ann? Just about anywhere they want. <laughs> there, there's Black content happening at Tiff Bell Lightbox, at the NFB Online, uh, on the Smithsonian Channel in Canada, on the CBC, CBC Gem. It is everywhere, and this is our chance to diversify our viewing habits and just see what wonderful artwork there's coming. I'm really excited about a film called Brother that's going to be opening soon. It's one of my favorite films so far this year about two brothers growing up in the projects in Toronto. So yes, there's so many opportunities for, for Black content. Okay, incredible. Let's talk about 80 for Brady, who has four icons in it, as far as I'm concerned, and maybe cheesy, but who cares? <laughs> well, exactly, right? And also Billy Porter's in it, and I'm I'm down for him. So, oh my good. gosh, that's right! I forgot when I watched the trailer, Billy Porter was in it. Okay, so let's talk about yeah. the stars in it, though. We've got Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, who steals the show. Um, Dolly appears, or she, yeah. So oh my goodness. there's lots going on. It's it's like a rallying call for women of all ages. <laughs> they don't say 80 for Brady for nothing. <laughs> All right. Excellent. And so that is out in theaters or? Yes, it's theaters. All right. Uh, tell me about Knock at the Cabin looks super, super creepy. Oh, well, that's Schmelian's trademark. He gets under your skin just the way Jordan Peele's Nope and Get Out did. But of course, Schmelian's career goes far, far back. Uh, and it's about people being stranded in their cabin when when thugs show up led by one of my favorite people to interview Dave Bautista the wrestler <laughs> can we just talk about him for one Isn't second he, wonderful? he seems like one of the most genuine charming people yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you would not expect that from this guy but he just seems so delightful yes. so we'll support him I've got two films about adolescent sexuality LGBTQ+. Aaron's Guide to Kissing concerns a 13-year-old girl based on a true story by filmmaker Ms. Naughton. But she's very self-confident and she doesn't think that who she is, and she's out, is deserving of any kind of problem. So when the bullies, the bullies get her at school, she just brushes it off. Very, very brave. So she has a situation in which her best friend is about to move away to athletic college and a new girl comes to class and she is a teen TV pop star. So it's really interesting. It's just so wonderfully heartfelt and and lovely. And at the other end of the spectrum is Lu Lucas Don'ts Close and it concerns two young boys, I'd say about the same age in Belgium, 
uh, Remy and Leo, and they're extremely close, extraordinarily close. And the bullying leads to a tragic result, especially since they were trying to prove that they were not in love, and then they realized that they were. So, you know, it's it's a tough road, but it's another side of, of what young people, people of all ages who are different, have to cope with. Yeah, that trailer really got me. Oh. Uh, it, even just watching the trailer was emotional, so yeah. I can't imagine what the movie must be like. All right, we have uh, actually a couple of minutes left, so uh, tell me about Alice Darling. Okay, so Anna Kendrick came up here and was shot in Toronto and in cottage country. So she goes with two friends up there to celebrate her birthday week. And they don't know, but she's in a coercive relationship. So they're trying to have a good time and she is having a good time. Unaware that her boyfriend is tracking her movements through social media. So he actually shows up and it you know, it's not a good situation, these two girls trying to protect her. Uh, and it, so meanwhile, while he's there, a young girl in the local area goes missing. So she goes out and helps with the search party. And you know that she's expressing something inside herself that needs to be reckoned with. Uh, so it, Mary Nighy builds this intensity quite slowly. And Anna Kendrick is totally unhinged in this, <laughs> as you would be if you, if you were with a, a coercive male. Um, so, you know, it's worth looking at for people who might be in this situation. And uh, she does a good job. I think, you know, watching watching the trailer for that, it I was very uneasy because yes. I could recognize something that had happened in a previous relationship with me. Same I know here. that a lot of women could recognize that storyline. And also that, that relationship between females who yeah. are there to have your back and protect you yes. uh, really seems like an intense ride, uh, but probably worth watching for people as maybe a cautionary tale or, you know, to um, look at and say, yeah, been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah. See Northern Ontario, which is so cool. And it's in theaters. All right. Excellent. Okay. And thanks so much. You have all of this over on what she said, talk.com. Uh, and you'll be back next week with more. We'll, we'll be. <laughs> Thanks, Candace. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region. Dry January is over and we're now officially in dry February. The sober movement continues to grow and people are looking for new ways to celebrate without alcohol. This is where Groovy comes in. Annika Sani, at the age of 27, has helped create a solution for those looking to join the sober movement by co-founding Groovy, a Canadian line of alcohol-free beers and wines that provide a healthy and enjoyable alternative for people looking to stay sober. Welcome to What She Said, Annika. Hi, thank you. So excited to chat today. So what prompted you to start this beverage line? Yeah. The inspiration for Groovy really comes from a scenario that I think many have experienced in their lifetime, which is for one reason or another, you might not feel like drinking alcohol, right? 
but life. You have commitments, you have dinner plans, drinks with friends, whatever it may be. And often we end up choosing the alcoholic beverage, even if intentionally it wasn't what we were going for. And so that was kind of the scenario in my own life, trying to cut back a little bit more on drinking and started to realize that there was a lack of options when I didn't want to drink. And so decided to jump right in and start Groovy, wanted to create a brand that was exciting to be alcohol free and be able to have, you know, the opportunity to reach for my favorite beer or wine when I wasn't drinking. Yeah. So that's what I kind of want to expand on a little bit, because I think most people think, well, there are options if you don't want to drink. There's sodas, there's, you know, waters and all kinds of other things like that. You know, you can add fruit in. How, why are these drinks growing in popularity so much because how are they different from those other beverages out there? Yeah, definitely a great question. And I think, you know, three years ago when we started Groovy, the category was quite different than it is today. But I think there's a big differentiation in we know as a society, uh, beer, wine, cocktails is ingrained into how we socialize, right? And a glass of water or a soda and lime doesn't give you that same elevated experience. And so we found a lot of people were just feeling excluded or left out when they didn't have an option, right? That made them feel included. That was as exciting as the cocktail on the menu. So what are you seeing then for the future, given that the government of Canada just came out with these new guidelines that drastically reduces the acceptable level of alcohol per week, in particular for women. Yeah, so it's been really interesting to see these guidelines come out because I think to the average Canadian, it's really shocking, right? And seeing the response for people, most people aren't really aware of the effects of alcohol. And it's a drastic change for the government to go from, you know, 15 drinks to two drinks in a week, right? And so with Groovy, kind of the opportunity there is you don't have to give up those moments of celebration. You might, even though you're going from 15 to two, you can still have that 15 moments of celebration, but alcohol doesn't have to be involved in all of them. And so whether it's, you know, going out for a Leafs game or, you know, mimosa brunch, you can still have all of those moments. So you also talk about building community around this brand. How do you do that? Yeah. So for me, you know, when we started Groovy, it's for me, it's always been a lot more than just a beverage. And so that's been building a community. It's moving forward kind of this whole movement of sober curiosity and getting to a point where we can normalize alcohol-free beverages. Um, So we've always been community first. Actually, this past year, we launched something called our Discovery Series. Um, and you'll you'll see this on some of the cans on the shelf as well, but all of them have a QR code on the front where We're encouraging our community to give us their direct feedback on our products. And then we're able to iterate and improve the products via, you know, the direct feedback coming from our customers. And so it's been really cool to kind of create that open line of communication and create our innovation pipeline around our community as well. So tell me then about some of the flavors that you have then for for Groovy. Yeah. So, you know, we pride ourselves on variety. So we have actually nine different beers and wines and ready to drink cocktails right now. Some of my favorites are we just launched an alcohol-free sangria. We also have our golden lager beer and that actually just won best non-alcoholic beer in the world at the World Beer Cup. So really excited with that news. And then we have everything from like mocha nitro stout to sparkling wines, both a rosé and a prosecco. So like alcoholic drinkers, you don't always want the same thing in every moment, right? Um, 
So do you not drink at all? Or do you just, you know, this is you choose, you know, occasionally you'll have a drink, but for the most part, you you don't. Yeah, my journey has been, you know, a bit up and down. I would say I'm at a point right now where I rarely have a drink. But really, it's I don't consider myself sober. I kind of come from it with a point of being mindful about my drinking. And so I just kind of ask myself, do I actually want to drink if I'm in this setting? You know, is it the alcohol that I want? Or is it the feeling of inclusion with my friends right now? And the more often that I start to ask myself that question, the more I've realized that, well, I'm not really wanting the alcohol in the setting. I'm just wanting the experience. And so with NA Bev's like Groovy, I've been able to give myself like the best of both there. But I think that's what's important. People kind of think like non-alcoholic beverages are for those that don't drink. And it's really for everyone. The majority of our consumers still drink alcohol, right? But most people want to cut back and find a little bit more of a healthful relationship with alcohol as well. So do you have any advice then for those who are looking to cut back on their drinking or perhaps cut it out altogether? Yeah, I would kind of start, you know, with getting curious and like asking yourself some questions. So do I want to drink tonight? How do I feel when I drink? Just being really intentional with that so you can start to get a sense for your relationship with alcohol too. Are you drinking when you're, you know, stressed or is it to feel included? Kind of what are the the reasons behind it? And sometimes it might just be that you want the buzz of alcohol and that's okay too. And then I think framing your mindset about if you're trying to cut back, there's a reason for that. And so what are the benefits that you're gaining, right? We see people coming off of dry January now and we do a survey on how they're feeling and, you know, you're sleeping better, you have more energy, your skin's looking better. There's all of these other benefits that come up. And so reminding yourself, I'm not, I'm not losing something, I'm gaining. And what am I gaining? And that kind of mindset shift can allow you to just kind of be in a positive frame while you're trying to cut back in the first place. And I think a lot of people, because this is becoming so mainstream, this conversation about not drinking, that there's a comfort level in discussing it openly. Whereas before, I think a few years ago, people might have immediately labeled somebody as an alcoholic. And now we open to these conversations without attaching shame to them, which is huge, I think. Yes, I think it's so important. The more that we have these conversations, the more people feel comfortable to share that and kind of speak outward. Like you said, it used to have to explain a reason as to why you're not drinking. You must be pregnant or you must have struggled with alcohol. And it's like, why can't I just make this decision? Because I feel best with it, right? And so encouraging kind of that notion and these conversations I think will be really important, especially in the coming year. I imagine then you can purchase Groovy in stores, but are you in restaurants and bars yet where people could walk in and order it? You know, because that's really a big social setting. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, bars, restaurants, concert venues are a great opportunity for NA Bevs. And I think it's been a little bit slower moving than kind of the retail opportunity for people. But that's what I'm most excited about for 2023. I think we're going to see that really take off. We're going to see that, you know, bars and restaurants have a whole dedicated section. And we're starting to see that already to their spirit-free options on the menu. And it'll become as normalized as it is for gluten-free options or vegan options on a menu, right? They'll be assigned there a section of the menu dedicated to it. I think, you know, COVID has impacted that a little bit just with the fluctuation of bars and restaurants. And so we're trying to provide it as easy as possible for different accounts as well, giving them some samples to try out. The most important thing is people have to know you carry that option, right? I think we kind of get scared to ask. 
if there's a non-alc option, but if we see it on the menu, we're likely to order it. So we kind of always encourage, like, you have to actually let your customers know as well. All right. So in the meantime, if people want to go out and get some to put it in their home bar, where can they go? Yeah, definitely. In So Sobeys is probably our biggest retailer across the nation that carries Groovy. It carries our Prosecco. We also recently launched in London Drugs on the West Coast. And then Well.ca is our online retailer. So they ship everywhere in Canada. All right. Wonderful. And do you have social accounts? Yes, we do. You can follow us along at Get Groovy on Instagram and our website's the same. And then if you want to follow along a little bit more on my personal entrepreneurship journey, I'm at Asani on Instagram. All right. Incredible. We're going to put all of those links in the liner notes when this goes out on podcast. And thank you so much for joining me today. Yes. Thanks so much for chatting. Canadians have always been quite proud of our universal public health care system. We are a leader on the global stage, and healthcare to this point does not bankrupt people. But there are cracks appearing, and provincial governments across the country are pushing us closer and closer to privatization. Ontario, in particular, is on high alert after the Ford government recently announced funding for private for profit clinics or hospitals in Ontario. Shelley Roebuck is a retired registered nurse who now volunteers her time with the Ontario Coalition for Healthcare and joins me to discuss how this grassroots organization is mobilizing to push back. Welcome to the show, Shelley. Thank you so much. So tell me, what is the Ontario Coalition for Healthcare doing at this moment to put some pressure on the Ford government? We're mobilizing our membership. We represent over 80,000 organizations in Ontario, as well as individual citizens. Uh, people really mostly unaware of the provincial government's plans to privatize our system. You mentioned that Mr. Ford was had announced uh, funding for private for-profit surgical clinics. Uh, he's also said that over 50% of surgeries done in hospitals are easy. Uh, and he has also referred to Brian Day from British Columbia. That's the physician that is trying to uh, negate the Canada Health Act. He's at the Supreme Court level of his court battles now. So there's no doubt that uh, Mr. Ford wants to follow this and privatize our entire healthcare system. If you removed 50% of the surgeries done in hospitals, the whole hospital would collapse. Um, I mean, what surgeries would be left? Perhaps cardiac surgery, uh, a few other things, but local community hospitals would certainly uh just collapse. Doctors and nurses uh, might be uh, wanting to leave the hospital to go and work at these public, at these private clinics. You know, it sounds pretty attractive. Uh, no weekends, no night shifts, simple surgeries, uh, nine to five. 
the hospital workers, all of them, plus the physicians who remain in public hospitals, will find their jobs harder because of staff cuts, et cetera, et cetera. And they won't have any of the easy surgeries. Each surgery they would do would be complex. All of this said, it comes back to patient care. Patient care is going to look wonderful at these clinics until you run into a problem. And then they are not real hospitals. They do not have the ability to resuscitate someone or treat someone with a, a, a problem. They're, these clients would be shipped back to public hospitals. That's not good care. It's a low standard when you think about what we used to experience in Ontario, and I presume all over Canada. I think Doug Ford's government is in for a lot of pushback from Ontario residents, and I think any government really across the country will be in for major pushback. How can people, though, in Ontario support the Ontario Health Care Coalition? I would ask people to go to the Ontario Health Coalition website. There you can sign up to be a public health care defender. That's something for us to uh, make sure that we are representative of numbers. So we'd like you to do that. We'd ask that you join local coalitions, and they're also on the OHC website, is contact information for coalitions all over the province. And if you are mildly annoyed after this interview, please call your MPP and tell him or her to tell Doug Ford to stop privatization of our beloved public health care system. Yeah, it's going to require our participation this time. Yes, for sure. We cannot do this alone. We need people to come out in numbers. Um, we will be having town hall meetings in many municipalities starting in February. So when you see uh, uh, advertisements for these or hear them on your local radios, please come out and just listen. We will have healthcare experts and local representatives who can tell you exactly what's happening in your uh, hometown and what might happen if surgeries are removed from community hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Is there a website and social channels people can follow you at, Shirley? We have Facebook pages, uh, Chatham-Kent Health Coalition, Wallaceburg-Wapool Island Health Coalition, and the Sarnia-Lambton Health Coalition. Okay, and there's the OntarioHealthCoalition.ca as well. And uh, there they can find more information about, uh, you know, to write your MPP, to join up to be a volunteer for, the, for this organization. So lots of great stuff happening. Shirley, I thank you so much for your commitment to this, and I'll be following along closely. Thank you, Candace, for the opportunity of being on your program. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region.
February is all about the heart, be it romantic or physical. In either case, a broken heart is what we're actively trying to avoid. So I asked Dr. Claudia Macchiella to join me for, with some tips for keeping our tickers strong. A passionate doctor, mother, and health enthusiast, Dr. Claudia wants her patients to embrace a lifestyle that promotes a sound body, mind, and spirit. Every week, Dr. Claudia shares her vision to integrate multiple healing disciplines and options to address the needs of patients on her radio show and podcast, The Wellness Prescription. She joins me now to discuss our hearts. Welcome back to the show, Claudia. Thank you so much, Candice, and thank you so much for having me on. So, um, you know, it's February, people are starting to maybe let go of their resolutions a bit and uh, slip back to some bad habits. So it's a good reminder to talk about our hearts. So what should we be looking for? Well, I don't think what we should be looking for is the key. I think what we should be doing is focusing on keeping our heart as healthy as possible. So what does that look like? That means that we have to try to stay as active as possible. So whatever it is that you like to do, just keep doing more of it. So if you like to walk, you just get out there and we're all confused because we think that we have to have a membership at a gym or we have to be, you know, a marathon runner, but absolutely not. All we have to do is really commit to 20 minutes a day. That's every day of the week. So seven days a week. And if you don't have 20 minutes every day of the week, just kind of combine them and do 40 minutes, three to four days a week. You don't have to work out into a big, huge sweat, but you do have to get your heart rate going. You have to feel a bit winded when you're speaking to like your walking partner. And that's a great place to start. Okay. What about when it comes to the other vices in our lives? There's been a lot of talk about alcohol lately. Does that impact our heart health? Absolutely. So they're now recommending two drinks a week. I highly recommend two drinks per week and if possible, maybe one drink per week. Alcohol really does work at hardening our arteries as we get older. It has so many other negative effects on our body, but what is even more important than the alcohol that you're consuming is our diet. Our diet is vital. It's actually equally important to our level of activity and our level of fitness. There are certain foods that I recommend we eat every single day to maintain heart health. I'd love to hear about them. Tell me, I'm <laughs> All betting right. I probably don't have them on my daily <laughs> list. Let's see. Most ex I'm going to save the best one for last because this is going to be the clincher. So I always recommend lots of fruits and vegetables because you want high fiber, low sugar, and low calorie foods. You want to eat enough protein. It has to be really high protein, low fat. So 95% lean beef is great. We can eat eggs. We should be consuming lots of nuts and seeds, which are really good for the heart. And guess what? We are allowed to have chocolate and we're not talking about a Twix bar or a caramel bar. We're talking about dark chocolate. You know, 80% dark chocolate is the way to go. But there are some great options out there. You can buy chocolate that's dark chocolate, but is sweetened with honey or agave, which is a little bit better than white sugar. And I know you mentioned, you know, lean, lean beef, you know, I think a lot of people might be trying to avoid meat considering the cost. So there are other sources of protein that we can rely on outside of meat? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to resort to like 
tofu, soy products. That's great. We do have to be careful with those, but they are a good alternative. Lots of legumes. So lentils, beans, you know, you mix that with rice and that's a whole meal full of good proteins, high in fiber, low in fat. And that's going to be really helpful to keeping your ticker ticking and to keep the arteries nice and clean. Now, the last thing I want to ask you about is supplements. Are there any that you recommend people should be taking regularly? Yeah, so there, you know, we should be taking our omegas. And the, so the other thing we should be eating is a lot of like fatty fish, salmon, and tuna. And if you don't love it and don't want to cook it, then you can always supplement with the omega fatty acids. Okay, three, six, and nine. And that's great because it keeps inflammation down. It keeps our arteries moving and it keeps them from clogging. You can also take glutathione is the latest and greatest supplement. It's an amazing antioxidant. We produce it in our bodies, but if you supplement properly, it actually really helps to break down and attack those free radicals that are eventually going to try and attack your heart. So those are two that I recommend. So for sure, omega-3 fatty acids, 369. CoQ10 is another good one specifically for the heart. So those are three that I would consider. And for women specifically, do we have any concerns that men may not when it comes to our hearts? Yeah, estrogen is a big problem in women as we age and as we mature, we start to have less progesterone, less, sorry, less estrogen. And what that does, that causes our arteries to harden. They don't relax and contract as easily. They stay contracted. So our blood pressure tends to go up. It's not great for the heart. So what we need to do is really be sure that we're eating enough foods that are going to allow our hormones to be balanced. So I always say we need to have a proper balance of estrogen with progesterone. So in that case, Eat lots of sweet potatoes, yams, because that'll up your progesterone, which will create a better balance. All right. Incredible. I can't thank you enough for stopping by today. It's always a pleasure to see you. I want people to be able to keep up with you because you always share great information. So where can they find you if they want to listen or can they keep up with you on social media somewhere? Sure. You can find me on Instagram. That's where I tend to be the most active. A few interesting, fun tips at Claudia underscore Macchiella. You can go to my website, ClaudiaMacchiella.com, or you can listen to me on the wellness prescription every Saturday morning, go to 105.1059 the region and just check out the wellness prescription. All right. We're going to put all those links in the podcast when this goes live. Thank you so much for joining me today, Claudia. Thank you. That's it for What She Said this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace Said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to catch past episodes and extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with another What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.